Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, this morning I want to share on what I've termed uh, vision analysis for uh, 2021. Uh, it is an, in, an overview. Uh, a vision is supposed to describe the set of activities that you will be engaged in in order to produce a set outcome. In other words, it's not just talking about the destination or your aspiration, but about the set of activities that you will be engaged in in order to produce a set outcome. And within it, uh, you are not just talking about what you want to do, but also why we want to do it, or why we want to do this, and secondly, how we want to go about getting it done. So in teaching on the subject of vision, we are not just talking about what we want to do, but we are emphasizing why we want to do this, and how we intend to get it done. Because the why is probably the most important element in the vision, for that's the spiritual part of it. Why you want to get something done is the spirit of the very thing. In other words, why I want to do something is the spirit of that very thing. So two people can desire to be rich, but what constitutes the spirit of that thing is why they want to be rich. That's why the Bible says that you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, not that there's anything wrong with what you're asking for, but it says to consume it. The reason behind it was a competitive thing and it was to consume it upon your lust. So why you want something done is the spirit of that very thing. And when that why remains inside the hearts of people, you can strip them of other things. That thing, that vision is still going to come back with force because that's the spirit that is behind it. And then you must know how you want to accomplish that particular thing. So we said a vision describes a set of activities you want to be engaged in uh, to produce a set of outcomes. And Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1 tells us that the prophet Habakkuk said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon my tower and I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And then in verse 2, the Lord answered me, and this was the correction or the reproof of the Lord. And the Lord said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he that readeth or he that he may run, that readeth it. In other words, the purpose of that is to make everybody, all right, be able to run with that particular vision. In other words, people can run with it because a vision informs activity. It guides behavior. In other words, when there's an understanding of a vision, then it informs the activities of the individual or that place. It guides the behavior and makes people understand how and why decisions are made. Once you understand the vision of a place, then it can inform independent, when we say independent, which means you can take the initiative there. It guides your behavior uh, you understand the vision or philosophy of a house and that liberates you and that's what Habakkuk is saying uh, because you know which actions are acceptable 
you know which type of behaviors are encouraged and you understand the priority within that particular place because you know the philosophy of that particular place. And that's why it's important that from time to time, people, or I do what we call uh, a vision analysis so that people have an understanding and they can run, all right, with the vision. Now, when we talk about a vision here, uh, it's also important that people uh, grasp this. One of the reasons why you spell out a vision is that there are a whole lot of legitimate activities, for example, that a church can be involved in that are scriptural, all right, activities that can, that can operate within what we call a church setting. But a church or the body of Christ is a body. In other words, it has different members within the body. And the scripture says all members have different functions. So it tells us that the eye cannot say because I'm an eye, I have no need of the ears. Or the ears cannot say because I'm the heir, I have no need of the hands. But these are different parts of the body that carry out specific functions within that body and their role is simply to carry out their own function. So if you look at it on a broad-based way, you can look at the entire body of Christ and take a local assembly of believers, all right, to be an organ within a body, within the entire body of Christ. So a local assembly is called within that geographical location to fulfill a certain mandate that is different from the mandate that is given to another local assembly. And both mandates are valid. Both mandates are scriptural, right? But it will be wrong for you to adapt the mandate of another house, which is not given to you, all right? And you do that for various reasons. You can do it for various reasons. So it's important. Part of vision analysis is for people to understand that this is what we're pursuing and this is why we're pursuing this. And this doesn't mean that somebody else on the left or on the right who is pursuing some other objective as the priority of that organization or house is wrong in any way or it doesn't mean that you must adopt it. So the fact that the eyes doesn't function like the air doesn't mean that, and people have to understand this, it's in disagreement with the air, or it doesn't think that the function of the air is necessary, but that is what it has been assigned to do by God within the body, and as it carries out its own function, it helps the air to interpret the information that it's receiving properly because the eyes are doing their own work. So nobody is the whole, no single church, all right, can do everything. It's not possible, all right, but a vision defines what you bring to the table as your unique part and contribution to the body of Christ. In other words, so the vision describes what you bring to the table as your unique part and contribution to the body of Christ. And so when we talk about a vision, we are simply talking about a game plan that every single person understands. All right? It's a game plan that everybody understands. Now, if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, uh, because this is a church, you have to take, all right, your vision has to originate directly from the scripture. It says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, 
some pastors and teachers. Now, these are the fivefold ministry gifts. So he gave them for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Next verse. Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, if we read it from verse 12 here, it says, for the perfecting of the saints, all right, for the work of ministry, but really literally is to read, for the perfecting of the saints, so that they can do the work of ministry, so that the body of Christ can be edified by them. So let's go to Amplified Version, and I think that says it. So he gave this traveling mission and some pastors, shepherds, and teachers. Verse 12, it says now, his intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints that they should do the work of ministering towards building up Christ's body, the church. Verse 13, that it might develop until we all attain oneness in faith and all of that. So the fivefold ministries were given for the perfecting of the saints so that the saints who are equipped can now do the work of ministry and that is the work of ministering for the edification of the body of Christ. So the design of Jesus for his body in his broad-based plan is that the Bible says in the effectual working in the measure of every part. If you can put that scripture up, the effectual working in the measure of every part, we edify ourselves in the effectual working in the measure of every part. So every single part of the body of Christ is supposed to, from whom the whole body, fitly joined and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So it's the effectual working in the measure of every part that increase is made. That's the design of God and that's the design of the body. All right, even the natural body, every single part within the body is working, all right, and that is what brings about the increase that occurs within the body of Christ. So a vision, I said, is simply a game plan. Now, some I read somewhere, and let me just use this, and it was a very simple game plan. What this ministry team said was that our game plan is we celebrate in festivals and we care in cells. All right? So if you walked into the place, it comes up every morning. We celebrate in festivals and we care in cells. So when you look at it, you understand what their game plan is. We celebrate in festivals we care in cells. Now, what do they mean by festivals? It means that they treated their services as festivals, all right, celebrations of, uh, you could say, celebration of the victory of Jesus. And then they try to move the people from those festivals into a cell structure where they now can show care one for another. And there is a support structure within the cells that show care. So they celebrated in their services and then they demonstrated care within their cells. Another ministry said, we are multiplying the ministry of Jesus by empowering lay leaders to provide pastoral care to groups of about 10 people. So we are multiplying, this is what they said, 
the ministry of Jesus on the earth by empowering lay leaders that people who you will call just members of congregation so to become lay leaders to provide pastoral care so groups of people that are about 10 in number. Now, that's their game plan. So they put that up and anybody that reads that understands that, well, this is what these folks are trying to do within this place. So a game plan is the philosophy of a ministry. Why you do what you do and it summarizes your overall strategy and objectives. So it summarizes there your overall strategy and your objectives within the place. It makes people understand what the priority of the place is, what the objective is, and what the overall strategy to get it done really is. So a person that says we celebrate in our festivals, you understand that? And then we go into ourselves and we care for one another within ourselves. Now, but let me just go back a bit and just show some things in the scriptures about a local church before we define certain things. All right? First of all, what makes a local church different from any organization? Uh, first in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, I will give you pastors according to my heart who shall feed you with knowledge and with understanding. So one of the things about a local assembly is that God raises up pastors who feed God's people with scriptural knowledge and understanding. That's the first thing there. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 3 and 4, it says, For I will gather the remnant of the flock out of the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them again into their fold. So he uses the word fold. And they shall be fruitful and increase. And then I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them now, what's it feeding them with knowledge and understanding? And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. So we find two things that God is interested in. One, feeding people with knowledge and feeding them with understanding, which is what Paul prayed to the church, uh, the Colossians, that God will fill you with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So people are fed with the knowledge of God's will. So people come to understand what is God's will for them on the earth. They know God's will. They understand God's will for them. It is clear. The effect of that is that it destroys fear and destroys lack from their lives. And then the second aspect is, God says, I will bring you into folds. Now, what does he mean by that? Colossians 2 and verse 19 tells us, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered, that's the first thing. And then the second is knit together once nourishment is ministered and people are knit together, then the resultant effect is they will increase with the increase of God. So nourishment ministered and the people now knit together. Ministering nourishment and the people knit together, that will produce an increase, and it says that that increase will come by God. So if Satan wants to hinder God's will from being fulfilled in a church, therefore there are two areas in which he will seek to attack. One, the ministration there, administration of nourishment 
from Christ to the body. And then the second, it is that that body is not knit together. In other words, people are not placed in folds. All right? That's why the two things I just read out, there's that emphasis on caring in smaller groups there, which are smaller folds where certain things can be done, which are not possible in a large congregation. But when the congregation is put into folds there, uh, like Jesus took the five loaves and said, now put them into folds there or companies of 50 and 100, and then the multiplication began as they were placed in those companies of 50 and 100. So it's a grand design of God for a church. Nourishment being ministered, we've explained what this nourishment is. Nourishment doesn't just mean that the minister preached the word of God on a Sunday morning. It doesn't mean that what he was saying was just scriptural, all right? It means that that person spent enough time with God uh, to be able to hear from God and to receive spiritual substance that will be relevant for the lives of the people at that particular point in time. Now, you can preach a good message, which is not necessary nourishment for the souls of the people, right? In order for you to do that, in the integrity of your heart, you have to go to God, like Jesus said, that that man went to his friend and said, a friend has come by midnight and I have nothing to set before him. And he says, because of his continual coming, the friend rose up and gave him enough loaves to feed, all right, that particular individual or his friend that came. So it's about nourishment that was being ministered. And that's what Peter was trying to protect when he said, we cannot, we cannot, all right, take ourselves away from um, the ministry of the word and prayer to serve tables. As valid as that is, and as much as you seeing a pastor serving tables will look like he's a very humble person, is a very caring person. That's really not his work. If we look at job description in the word of God, it's just like a CEO, all right? The responsibility of a CEO in an organization is different from the responsibility of, a, I, mean, I mean, if the CEO is trying to do everything, then, then that organization is not going to last, all right? Because he won't allow any other person to grow within that set up. So Peter said, we need to give ourselves to prayer answer the ministry of the word of God and delegate certain things there. So it's important first and foremost that we understand, all right, that these are the two major things that occurs within a church. Nourishment is ministered and then people are placed in fold. And once those two things occur, then there will be increase. That's why the Bible says the wolf comes in to scatter the sheep so that they are not connected. Uh, and that's why it talks about that scripture, Ephesians 4.16 that we quoted, all right, the effectual working in the measure of every part. It, it talks about from whom the whole body fitly joined together. That's knit together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. So what happens is when the people are fitly joined together, they are joined together in a way that is appropriate. When you say fitly joined together and compacted, then the joints will begin to supply. Then there will be the effectual working in the measure of every part. All right, within that system there, which is the second system, and then the body will be able to make increase, all right, onto the edifying of itself in love. Thank you 
for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. In John chapter 15 and chapter 1, there we'll find three types of branches. We're from 1 to 6. Now, we, you, might, you might miss it, but there are three. It says, I'm the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Now, the first branch it describes, every branch, note that, in me, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So the father takes it away. I'll explain what that means. To take it away doesn't mean to remove it. It means something. And then every branch that beareth fruit. So there are branches in me that bear fruit. And there are branches in me that don't bear fruit. Is what he's saying. And the ones that bear fruit, he purges them. Which means internally he removes certain things. That they may bear more fruit. Then verse 3. Now you are clean through the word I've spoken unto you. And then he says this, except you abide, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth much, much fruit. For without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Now, he says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them up and cast them into fire and they are burnt. So here it talks about a man who is not abiding in him. But in verse 2, it says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit. So he's saying there are branches that abide in him but may not be fruitful. There are branches that abide in him and are fruitful. And then there are branches that don't abide in him. Now, if you run an organization or you lead people, you must understand this. That there are three types of people. There are people whose hearts are right. Who are abiding within the vision of the house of the organization, but are not fruitful. And... The father says, I will take away. The word take away there in Greek means I will cause there to be a disentanglement. In other words, the reason why, even though it's abiding in me, the reason why it's not fruitful is because, as Jesus said, cares of this world, all right, lost of other things are choking it. So it may not have adequate training, uh, may not understand and have capacity. And so what you do because the heart of that person is right and it's in the right place, you don't remove that branch. You don't say, well, you know, uh, this person is not productive, right? Let's just fire this person. You take that person and you understand that that person could have problems at home. They could have marital problems. They could have issues that are going on in their own personal lives that they are distracted by those things and they just need, all right, to be helped through the process because their heart is right and their abiding within is just that, all right, they are overweighed by other things and they need that disentanglement so that they can become fruitful. And then the second, the people that abide and are being fruitful, all right, and, and of course, 
Instead of people going into pride there, people have got to understand and encourage that you can become more fruitful and more productive and there's much more to you, all right, than what is going on now. But the thought is the one that doesn't abide. In other words, you can see the disconnect in the heart. Okay? The person might even be intelligent. The person might, might have skill set. But there is a total disconnect inside the heart. They are not interested. They, they are, that, dis, that connection is not there. And you can see that. All right? From the get-go. And that person is different from a person whose heart is in it, but just doesn't have the capacity or, or has been thrown into something without being trained, without proper understanding, or they are, they are entangled with other areas. And if proper work is done with those people, then they become fruitful and, 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 and they become very powerful and useful. All right? And then the second set is those that abide and are fruitful. And then the third set is those that are not abiding. And those are the people that are removed as branches, which means you understand that this just isn't going to work. So you look into an office and you can see detachment, which means that the person's body is there, but, but their heart is just not in it. It is clear from what you can see that there is a detachment in the heart there. Even though they are physically present, they are not abiding in that particular thing and it starts showing. Now, the reason why that person becomes dangerous is that they can spread that attitude to other people, all right, while the other person who abides within but is, 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 is overweighed by other things will spread, all right, right attitude is just that they don't have capacity and they're winning and so you help them through that. So Jesus talked about three different types all right, of branches in, in, in going on with this. So let me get into it here concerning the church. I haven't said that. I, I was reading recently, or this about a year ago, about a church consultant, and what he said was that he had worked with several churches. This was in America. And um, very large churches, small churches, medium-sized churches, very small churches. And that he was yet to find a church where they had not more growth potentials, more growth opportunities, not potential, opportunities, all right, present than the church was willing to respond to. In other words, if you walked into the place and you looked around and as an outsider just observing, he saw that there were many growth opportunities than, than the church itself was willing to, to respond so those opportunities there. Now, the reasons can be diverse, all right? Uh, one can be fear in leadership that you do not, you know, if we respond to all these growth opportunities, you might get overtaken, all right, by the growth there. And, and it can, subconsciously, you believe it can lose, lead to the loss of a vision. People can become distracted and all of that. Or people simply have not um, understood that, that, like we showed here, the fivefold ministry is to equip people, but people are actually supposed to do the work. And when we get to heaven, all right, the scripture tells us that we are going to be judged before Jesus by the contributions that we made so the body. So the design of God was never for people just to come into a service and somebody preaches the word of God to them and then they go. All right. It, it, that can never deliver the kingdom of God into the lives of the people. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Quickly, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove that which is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Then in verse 3, it says, for I say, through the grace given unto me. So Paul said, I'm saying this through the grace given to me. So every man that is among you, Every man, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, 
but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man, that's every man that is among you, the measure of faith. Then he goes on and says, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so he was saying everybody has an office, it says, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Then he says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Now, Paul said every member has a gift and it differs according to the grace given to each person. Of verse 3, it says here, for I say through the grace given unto me. So Paul says, this, I'm saying this through the grace given to me. And then in verse 6, he now goes and says, having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us, which means that Paul himself said, look, I'm speaking according to the grace given to me, but every single person, all right, has grace that is on the inside of them. And that's what he was saying us in Ephesians 4.16, according to the walking in the measure of every part there. So every single person, all right, that's the walking of the measure. So every single person has grace on the inside of them. And therefore what we are saying is that we have to have that broad-based system that can capture the activity of every single member where you are contributing into the body of Christ, all right, according to the measure that God has placed on the inside. And that, therefore, is done within that fold there, which is the smaller subset where that can happen. And that is what produces the increase within the body because even the individual uh, benefits from the ministry and then people also benefit from the ministry that they receive. All right? So this growth here, so what, what stagnates growth is that what most ministers do, therefore, is that you plant the seed. So let, let, me, let, me, let me say I have a flower bed. Let me just draw, all right, a square here. And I decide I want to plant certain flowers. So I plant the seeds of those flowers. But then after I've planted the seeds, I now step on the seedbed. Or I get about five people. We all stand on the seedbed. Now, if we stand on the seedbed, it's, there is no chance the seed that we have planted can sprout out. So many a times, people preach the word of God, but then create a system where you stand, all right, on the very thing you have preached. When we say stand now, that you hinder the very seeds there from growing and having expression, if you put up the first image, all right, so we step and we trample upon the very seedbed that we have planted. So church growth is like uh, planted, uh, it's, it's like planting a flower bed and you sow the seeds there. And if you give it light, you give water, you give exposure, then growth is going to occur. In other words, the growth comes from the light, eh? All right, that growth is going to occur. Growth not just in numerical strength, but growth, first of all, in the increase of God, right, within people, and, and that now translates from within to the outside, which is the exact way in which God designed for this particular thing to work. So I'm just going to quickly run through, all right, four pillars here that we'll be looking at this year in giving expression to this. So the first thing, we'll say if you put up the first image there, all right, the next image after this, all right? So we say that celebrating and learning, so we have services, as someone said, we're celebrating our festivals, but here we understand that during these services here is the opportunity, as we have seen in the Word of God, for people to be fed with knowledge and with understanding. 
In other words, people come in and it's an emphasis and co-emphasis in this ministry that nobody leaves without them having some aspect of the mystery of the gospel of Christ uncovered, all right, line upon line, which means more light comes into your soul. You have an experience inside your soul of receiving knowledge, of receiving understanding of the word of God, uh, of, of receiving instruction, some information from heaven because you walked into a service. And the second aspect is there is also corporate worship uh, that occurs during the service. In other words, people have come together to worship God. So the two things we look at within the service is truly, yes, a celebration of Jesus in corporate worship and then that people actually learn and, and, and are taught by the Holy Spirit, all right, during the services, whether it's services or conferences, whatever we do in terms of that festival approach, right, there's celebration and then there's learning. Then the next step, therefore, all right, haven't had that experience within there, is now to connect, all right, find a place where people can connect and also demonstrate care for one another. Now, our understanding is this. The word of God is like, and this is why this second one is very important. Now, the word of God, and, and it took years to, to come to this understanding, and, and we'll still build on your understanding as you go on. But the word of God is like rain that comes out of heaven. Okay? That's what the Bible says. Revelation is like rain. So you come for a service, and word of God is like rain. But everybody has a seed inside their hearts that God has placed on the inside of you. But the interesting thing about a seed, and it bothered me for years. Now, if you take a seed, there are certain seeds that if you plant in Nigeria, or even in some parts of Nigeria, let's just say you plant it now in a part of Nigeria, it will grow and develop. There's rain, there's air, there's sunlight, you put it in the ground, it grows. Take that same seed and go to Japan or Russia. There is sunlight, there is rain, there is air. You put it into the ground, the seed doesn't come out. It doesn't grow. Take the seed to Australia, there is air, there is sunlight, there is everything, rain falls, you plant it, a seed doesn't grow. All right, now, what's the difference there? The issue is, in Nigeria or in on the continent, the soil type has the nutrients that that seed requires. It's within the earth for that seed to grow. So when you pour water on that, the seed can draw the nutrients. Now, but if you take it into a continent where those nutrients are not in the ground... Those nutrients are not there. You plant that seed there. It looks for the nutrients. The nutrients are not there. It just cannot grow. And there is failure. How do we know that that is true? All right? God showed me a scripture. It says, what you are thinking is true. If you go to Acts chapter 18, verse 1. Now, you see, now this is Paul. After these things, Paul departed from Athens, came to Corinth, and verse 2, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately from Italy, who, with his wife, Priscilla, and he talked about who they were. Verse 3. Now, I want you to see this. And because he was of the same craft, which means because they were in the same business with Paul, he abode with them and wrought for their occupation were both tent makers. So, Paul, these guys, when we read on, they were not saved, but... Uh, you know, they were religious, but they didn't feel the Holy Ghost and all of that. But they were, had the same craft. They were tent makers. And so there was some commonality between Paul 
with Priscilla and Aquila. So because of that, Paul decided that he could live in the house with these people because they had some common thing to talk about. Now, what eventually happened was there was an upgrade and they got into ministry, all right, okay, all right. Now, if we go to 1 Corinthians quickly, chapter 16, verse, uh, and for, for they have refreshed my spirit are yours, therefore acknowledge them as such, verse 19. And then it says this, verse 19. And the churches of Asia salute you, Aquila and Priscilla salute you in the Lord with the church that is in the house. So eventually they are joined Paul, they were helpers, Paul called them helpers of him in ministry. But this started out from a relationship that was born because they had, all right, they were in the same career path, doing the same thing, and from there, fellowship could come. So the highest form of fellowship you can get between people on this earth is to get people professionally who are the same and also in faith. In other words, they're going to talk about their faith, and at the same time, they're going to talk about their professionalism to that level. And that's why we bring people, all right, with those similar goals and aspirations together. All right. So that's what the committee, and I think they will start next week, registration in that, all right? And that creates nourishment, it creates fellowship at the highest level that is possible. I, I just went to all those scriptures to show that. That's where you can get the highest, uh, right, level possible. All right, quickly, because of time, number three. So the third aspect is also raising leaders within, all right? So raising leaders, which means that apart from people belonging to the community, because of time, people should become leaders, all right, there, which means you should be able to lead a community group and lead people in that expression there. Um, we want to have a thousand leaders within that this year. So people have the capacity, they grow. So it's not just a member, member, they get into a place of leadership there. And then the final thing, all right, so the first thing here, celebrating Jesus, learning in our meetings, connecting and caring in these community groups and then into cells. Uh, raising leaders within this cell structure and community group structure. And then finally, uh, generating power, all right, for manifestation. So things we learn in church, uh, we have a place where we generate power for manifestation, all right, in an organized prayer, all right, time there, which we do predominantly online now, all right, confessing the word of God, fasting together to generate power, okay, for manifestations. All right. Then finally, I'm just saying this here. Tactics are different from strategies. So we talk about a broad-based strategy. I mean, I couldn't go into this in detail because of time. But the tactics are the adaptations we make when implementing a strategy. In other words, when you're implementing a strategy and you come in contact with things you did not think, all right, you, are, you didn't, I mean, it's like, say you want to build a road from here to Abuja now. And you just say, we are building the road. We go this way, we go this way. Uh, you may not know that there is a part uh, between two villages that you have ruled that there is a massive gully, and that gully runs for seven kilometers. So when you get there, you have to adapt to that. So what are we going to do? Are we going to build a bridge across this? Are we going to fill it? What are we going to do in this particular? So the tactics are the adaptations we make when implementing strategy, and this determines whether you fail or you succeed. And that's why it's important people understand the strategy behind something so they know that, well, they have the freedom to adopt tactics there, right? Uh, the adaptation that will suit uh, what is going on at that particular point in time. And this is what shows between people that succeed and fail. Because some people just feel that, uh, because I'm a Christian, they should know opposition. But the opposition helps you. All right, into that level of creativity there where you get into the details. And as I say, the devil is in details. You get into the details, and that's where the distinction between failures and successful people actually come. And that's what we leave to people in leadership here, which means that each person develops the tactics according to the vision, all right, in order to be able to fulfill the objective. All right, so recognizing growth opportunities is not, let me say this in closing, about personal brilliance, which means about your own brilliance of your own ideas. But it comes from this adaptation here. In other words, things that you see as you set your hands to the plow. 
patterns that emerge, needs, all right, uh, uh, demands that are hidden, that are relevant to the lives of people. I mean, nobody comes out with a new technology just by sleeping and waking up and then I just saw it. All right? People that come out with new breakthrough technologies are, are doing something and while they put their hands to the plow, they saw something there. Ah, yeah, there's a gap here in the industry. Ah, there's a problem here. All right? That is a problem. Why do I try? This is a problem. If I can solve this problem here, all right, as they were interacting, as they are trying to do things, as they're trying to buy things on certain places and do this, they say, okay, there's a demand here. There's a need here if we develop this. And that's the way and manner in which growth opportunities come, which means you put yourself into something and then you recognize, um, because anytime you do something, uh, what it does, it gives you feedback. It, it tells you secrets. Once you're pushing for a vision, the secrets of the vision will come to you as you are trying to accomplish it. All right, if you listen properly, and that's where you need to practice listening prayer, which means I pray and I know God will speak back to me. He will speak back to me if I ask him for his wisdom. And so as I push, the thing comes back to me. I hear it, right? It's different from what I was thinking or, or my preconceived ideas, but I, you will hear it. And when you do that, you succeed at it, all right? So it's either frustration or success. And people get frustrated because they don't want to change, all right? And sometimes it's from pride because you think you, are, you already have it worked out. But um, life will always teach you that you need to know more. So the key to tactics and growth opportunities is to stay in prayer until God shows you what next. And then you cooperate with him, all right, as he shows you those things. And you cooperate for the implementation of those things that he has shown you. So generally speaking, that is the um, thrust we'll be taking um, this year and building up from that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. I ask that you broaden this vision, you clarify it within their consciousness, you deepen it in their hearts so that they will be able to participate, contribute effectively with the grace that you have deposited in their hearts and lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.